SAFM Nationwide. It's about that time we get into the past, or rather the last 72 hours worth of trends on social media and helping us navigate through this is the likes of Mpumelelo Mashifane, who is a social commentator and publisher. Good morning to you, Mpumelelo. Good morning, Sheila. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing this Easter Monday? Um, I'm well. I'm well. Enjoying the rain, although I know it's a bit of a bit of sweet thing um, for the rest of the country as we are in mourning. But yeah, it's been a quiet weekend for me. Lovely. And where about are you based, if I may ask? I'm based in Emalashini in Pumala. I see. All right, let's kick start off the conversation with the likes of Gerda Stein, hashtag TTOM2022. Now, Gerda Stein has broken a 22-year record when she secured a victory for the third consecutive time during the Two Oceans Ultra Marathon happening yesterday all the way in Cape Town. Now, for when and how long had the marathon been running, firstly? Well, the marathon's been running since 1970. Mm. And um, it's a 56-kilometer race um, in Cape Town. It's that um, uh, the most beautiful marathon in the world. Um, and, um, yes, it, obviously we know that with the lifting of uh, lockdown restrictions this year, um, mass events like uh, marathons, sporting events, and other events have come back onto stream and people are starting to participate again as uh, something we haven't seen in the past two years. Talking about Serta Stain, uh, Shayla, just before uh, the lockdown started, her last um, Comrades Marathon in 2019, she actually became the first female to run the Comrades in under six hours, mm. uh, marking a time of five hours and 58 minutes, I think. Um, and so it, 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 it seems that uh, she did not get slowed down by the pandemic and she continued to push herself and push her boundaries. Um, and we saw it coming through this weekend and her smashing uh, a previously held 22-year-long uh, world record uh, mm. for that marathon. Lovely. You spoke about time records. Uh, what time record did she manage to attain for this particular marathon? Yeah, she ran, she ran the marathon in um, three hours and 29 minutes and 42 seconds, uh, quite quite fast. Uh, that that, that um, record previously been held by um, Fritz van der Merwe, who mm. set it 22 years ago, and she, she managed to beat it by a good uh, minute. By a good minute, you said? Yes. That's goodness. Doesn't that spot on just sort of give light to the the importance of time? If a minute was all it took to break the record, what what are your comments around that? On particularly in sport and how uh, the value of time is so important. You know, in in motorsport, uh, they say in Formula One to reduce a lap time by one second, uh, you need to invest one million dollars. Mm. Uh, and therefore, that's the importance of milliseconds and seconds in in speed-based uh, sporting events. Uh, and, and, and so it comes through um, with Claire State. I mean, a minute is, is, is quite an achievement. Uh, if you think about somebody who is running at a rate of about 15 kilometers uh, an hour, mm. if, 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 the, if the 
person following you is a minute behind. Mm. Uh, it, it takes quite a long time for that person to come through in, in second place, and and um, I think it, it was it was something very phenomenal for her to achieve, um, especially coming out of this lockdown period. Sure. And what was her response to the win? She was ecstatic. I mean, when she was interviewed, she said she never uh, thought she was she was, was going to do it. She was keeping her eye on the clock, of course. Mm. Training very hard, training in particular terrains that allowed her to optimize uh, her fitness uh, for this particular race. And uh, definitely the weather also playing a part because in Cape Town, uh, as we all know, Cape Town experiences a whole lot of different weather patterns to the rest of the country. And it wasn't as cold and gloomy as it is inland. Mm. And uh, she she managed to, to, to really uh, make herself proud there. I think what strikes me as significant is you making mention of how this uh, marathon is considered to be one of the most beautiful in the world, you said. Um, That poses a a level of exclusivity. Is this marathon an exclusive one or can anybody participate? Well, it's quite an exclusive affair in in, in that you need to qualify for uh, to make it on to, to running the race. And but over the years, it's, it's become quite accessible. I think even the, uh, uh, the costs of, of enrolling for the marathon are not that bad if you compare them to like the Comrades Marathon. Mm. Uh, I think the Comrades Marathon this year is at uh, around 2,000 rand uh, for South African... Uh, I'm just going to be corrected. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. But I think it's 2,000 rand for South Africans and it goes up for African runners and international runners, there's also uh, people who are outside of Africa, the U- Europe and the Americas and so forth. So I think it is quite still an, uh, an accessible uh, marathon given that 16,000 people partook in it uh, this year. Sure. I think with that being said, let's stick to sports but move on to the next hashtag. We have Ronaldo and M-U-N-N-O-R, particularly focusing on that match uh, where Manchester United was up against Norwich City. Now, why is this match particularly significant for Ronaldo? It's particularly significant in that um, he managed to to score his first hat-trick since returning uh, to Old Trafford uh, just over a year ago. Mm. Um, We know that uh, his career really blossomed at Manchester United he had a very good and symbiotic working relationship with with uh, the veteran coach of Man United, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. And we all saw how Manchester United failed uh, to rise up to the occasion after Ronaldo left, after Sir Alex Ferguson left. They dropped uh, on the Premier Soccer League, uh, marred by a lot of problems over the years, uh, really struggling to maintain their old form. Mm. And um, I think this was a symbolic uh, victory for him, uh, as well as the team, in in that him coming back to the club has really rejuvenated the club, has really given back the club a lot of life. And today we see it standing in fifth place, just uh, three places behind lock leaders, uh, Tosh Lampard's birth. 
I want to take us back to basics. And I say this particularly because I'm not a, so- a soccer fanatic. However, I do appreciate the sport. Um, educators, what is a hat trick? Well, you and I both are not fanatics for that matter. But a hat trick is, is when a player scores three goals in, in, in a single match. Mm. And, 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 and the significance, again, of this is that Manchester, all three goals that gave Manchester United this sweet victory over the weekend, all of them were scored by him uh, because they only won 3-2. So uh, I think um, fans pouring out their love for him, pouring out their love and saying, you know, it was a good decision for him to, to really, at the peak of his career and as it begins, uh, probably the proverbial decline in his career as a soccer player. I mean, he's 37 years old now, um, so he's really nearing the end of his legs. Um, and, and, and I think people symbolically appreciate that at that point in his career, he went back to the club that made him. Mm. So we note this particular set of three as a 50th hat-trick during uh, his time with Manchester, right? Um and essentially, I want to understand what this kind of achievement does for his career at large. This particular milestone attained, what does that do for him at large, on a larger scale? You know, he's undoubtedly the most celebrated soccer player in the world. He's, he's really, really outdid himself. I mean, um, he, he's really become uh, a star soccer player who has distinguished himself uh, over and above any other player in history. And I think uh, for his career, uh, the symbolism, I think, is what matters when he's achieved that much. I mean, he's, he's won the player of, of the world player of the year, the, the Ballon d'Or is what it's called, um, I, I think about seven times. Um, mm. You know, he's, there isn't an achievement in his profession he has not um, achieved. So um, I think for him... Uh, and again, going back to, to Manchester United at such a critical point, you know, having played for Real Madrid, having been a powerhouse also behind Real Madrid and saw uh, Real Madrid really dominating European football for, for, for a long time. I think it says, um, for me, it says, you know, when, you're, when a man has achieved everything and he's got nothing else to prove, and that's that's what I think he's doing now because mm. anybody would have would have retired with the glory maybe of playing for um, Real Madrid and whatever. Uh, but you know the fact that he could fuck himself up to go back to his old club um, and still push himself to the level uh, that 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 we see him at, he's still performing at an ultra level even at this late age of his soccer years. Um, I think it's just phenomenal. I think it's the biggest achievement for him is, is, is you know, the personal victory. Sure. The personal achievement, yeah. Then we see the likes of uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady support uh, CR7, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. What does this do for um, sports at large, when you see cross-sectional support from different kinds of sports and sportsmen really coming together to say props to you. Yeah, I think that was a, a phenomenal moment. He came onto the pitch right after the match, uh, you know, took some selfies with his friends. They're very good friends. 
um, mm. and and congratulated him, and he shared a short video I think on Instagram where um, he was congratulating him, saying, "Well, you you played well." Mm. Um, but I, I think that that is uh, something that is quite motivational. Uh, I think it 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 proves that well they aren't any stereotypes, or maybe works to break certain stereotypes about football players and, and then being an archlade of sort um, compared to other sports. Uh, we've seen it uh, right here at home with Casper um, Semenya now, uh, who's been barred from running uh, mm. in, 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 her, in her best form. And, and she's announced that she's going um, to be playing football. Uh, and so I think uh, we saw it with Usain Bolt as well. Uh, you know, say he's retiring out of out of sprinting, and he, he's he's considering going into the uh, football world. He's still got a lot of life left in his legs, and mm. uh, that was before the pandemic two years ago. So, I think we're starting to see, um, you know, a synergy forming between the different sporting codes, um, and 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 players in their personal relationships really fostering. Uh, that and it goes. I think it, it speaks to the fact that you know sport goes way beyond um, the particular code that you're engaged in. It's it's about it's about the mental um, preparedness. It's about it's about the mental strength more than anything else. And I think that's what we see amongst these really great achievements in sport. All right. Um, let's move on to the next hashtag, which is. Easter now, with Thursday being the new Friday, Monday being the new Sunday. What have people been getting up to this long weekend? Yeah, people have been in church. I think uh, the first again Easter post COVID, uh, everybody's getting back into, you know, um, traveling to their Easter destinations. A lot of people going on holiday, uh, of course, but a lot of people are taking up the Easter pilgrimage to go into their respective churches uh, to spend the weekend really uh, celebrating their Lord and Savior. Um, we saw President Cyril Ramaphosa, he visited my province, he was in the Al Shaddai Tabernacle Church on Friday in Ermelo, um, and uh, he also visited the Zion Christian Church in Maria. Um, and yeah, we've seen a lot of leaders attending church this weekend. A uh, lot of Christians uh, being happy to be able to go out and celebrate Easter um, in, in a somewhat normal way uh, as we've been used to over the years and without the restrictions of 50 people in church or something like that. Mm, I see. And in your own opinion, how does um, prominent figures such as our President Cyril Ramaphosa and the likes participating in religious activity, what does that do for a country as a whole? I, I think um, it's become more symbolic than anything else um, that politicians will visit churches. We also see them going out in churches around election time, and they visit a lot of churches around that time. But um, especially Easter, more so than the other big religious uh, Christian event, which is Christmas. Uh, around Easter, uh, politicians are still in working mode as compared to December. They do go out and interact with congregants, 
um, as leaders of society, we are a faith-based um, country, if I, can, if I can speak like that. We recognize all Christian, uh, all religious de- denominations, um, and, and we also see uh, political leaders going out in, in other religious uh, festivals like Eid and, and, and so forth. So I think um, religion is very much inculcated into our political system. And um, I think politicians just uh, go out at their time of the year to also just uh, find themselves in a church. I don't think they find themselves in church that much. <laughs> I see. Um, you spoke about travels, and I know that there is a hashtag uh, trending currently, Tanzania and Zanzibar, and tourists have been sharing their bad experiences that they've been having whilst on holiday, uh, particularly related to crime experiences. What is going on in Tanzania? Sure. I woke up the Saturday morning, and I came across this sister trailer, and I, I then um, read the thread, one Nigerian lady who... She's 23 years old, I think. Spoke of an of her ordeal uh, when she travelled to go and celebrate her birthday, and she said mm. she never thought that she'd, she'd experience something like that while travelling solo. And uh, for those that don't know, travelling solo is travelling by yourself, just getting your bags and going to an unknown destination all by yourself and go and enjoy yourself. So she said, uh, she made a booking at this uh, Zanzibar beach resort uh, and uh, she got on a plane uh, from Nigeria and headed to Zanzibar to go and celebrate her 23rd birthday. Uh, and uh, to her surprise, um, uh, she was, somebody entered her room. Now she, her hotel room was locked uh, and she was sleeping uh, and uh, she felt somebody touching her, feeling her up uh, in the middle of the night. And when she woke up, she thought she was dreaming, uh, but then it carried on. And the next thing, this person was on top of her. Mm. And and that's when she realized, no, I'm not dreaming. Uh, And she tried to negotiate, and she said there was a language barrier in trying to negotiate herself out of that. I couldn't hear anything she was saying in English. Uh, But one thing that... Uh, did buy her a bit of time uh, was that uh, she then said she's HIV positive. And, mm. and that's when she saw some doubt in this person's mind and he said, uh, please, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll let you do whatever, but you need to get um, some condoms. And, and, and that was her breakthrough because the guy got off her and, and went out and, said, and still had the audacity to say, I'll be back, you stay put. Mm. And as soon as he left, she she left uh, the hotel room. But she tried calling reception. There was no response. Uh, there were security guys uh, who were on patrol, but she was now in a state where she didn't know whether it's one of them or were they complicit in letting the person in. Mm. Uh, because how does somebody open your hotel room um, while, while um, you you're asleep and so she eventually went to a a a couple a russian couple whom she had met at dinner when she arrived earlier on in the day and she she just knocked on their door and they took her in and gave her refuge over the night Mm. Uh, but then uh, 
uh, then she goes on to tell the story of what happens in the morning uh, when by daybreak, by 8 o'clock in the morning, still nobody has come back to her. She's an old friend and family at home to say, these are the details of my booking agent, these are the details of the hotel manager I've been liaising with, can somebody try and get a hold of him so that I can be assisted? I was almost raped, I was almost strangled. Um, and and only then um, did she get a sort of lackadaisical response. Mm. Uh, and, you know, she, she went to the police station. The treatment that she got was horrible. No one believed her. The police went out of their way to to make it look like she didn't know uh, what she was talking about or there was no case. They even took her to the hospital. And when they said no, there was no penetration, the police were said, oh, well, there's no case for it. We can just open a case for your money that was stolen. So sure. there is a sort of syndicate that goes out and targets people who are traveling on holiday in Zanzibar. And it seems, um, well, the police couldn't get two hoots sure. um, about about it. But uh, just, to, just to, 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 to lay that testament, Shayla, the power of social media is such that that hotel, in a matter of six hours after she posted that thread, its rankings went down from four and a half to one on the internet, on on Google, on Facebook, and so forth. And so, mm. and, and a lot of people are really saying, yeah, this is some, sometimes the collective strength that we have with social media is that we can make an impact. That business will surely begin to feel um, uh, the impact of, 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 of their staff's actions. And, and hopefully um, they can then be part of uh, making the change happen that needs to happen. We know that Zanzibar is a very popular uh, holiday spot, so I mean, it enjoys tropical climate all year round, and, and, and it's one of the, the most accessible uh, uh, holiday destinations, even I think for South Africans. Mm. It's quite affordable to go to Zanzibar for a couple of nights, five nights, and it's really quite um, accessible even for the ordinary person. And I think that's why you see a lot of young people, people who just started working, want to travel the world and see the world. Or It is a popular destination spot. I think I have the last question before we step into our very last hashtag is that these incidences, I see that one, uh, they sort of uh, a scrutiny around hotels. And secondly, I, I want to know from you, are they from different time frames? Or are these all happening in one go? Is this between lockdown or is this from different experiences, different time frames altogether? Yeah, from what, I've, from what I gathered on, 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 on Twitter, it seems the experiences have been occurring um, uh, sort of before lockdown and after restrictions, sort of the period of 2019. I think there's somebody I saw said, no, I was there just before lockdown. Somebody said, well, I've, I've, I was there um, and experienced uh, something similar, but I was helped out by my cab driver who... I gave an extra tip to say, you know what, I don't know anybody in here, and if something should happen to me, these are my details, can you contact my family or whatever. So um, people giving their experiences to say, you know, this is what I did because I had hurt, uh, but this is what I did just because maybe I was taking an extra precaution, but then found it to be a necessary precaution at the end of the day because, hey, guess what, I did actually experience something.
Mm. Let's move on to the next hashtag. That's, that's quite, I think that's really sad um, because the one thing is that it would decrease the level of tourism altogether. And I think secondly is you would, you would think that we would sort of want to uplift our African um, hotspots destinations, but instead we have this tacky disposition where we're just going downward. Nevertheless, let's chat all things Gift of the Givers and Patrice Mutsebe. Now, the NGO continues to help people who have been affected by the floods in KZN, and particularly Patrice Mutsebe, who is a businessman, donated 30 million that will help the victims of the floods in KZN. Is this sort of nudging at people to donate as well? I'm sorry, I didn't get that, Shayla. Uh, the first question is uh, Patrice's uh, donation to um, the victims of the floods in KZN. Is that nudging at people to also donate as well? Are we seeing people contributing, um, particularly via social media and commentary as well? Yes, uh, I think I think um, over the past uh, 48 hours, um, banking details now starting to come up, especially uh, with the gift of the givers, uh, putting up their banking details and saying, we've set up an account if people want to donate, ordinary people want to donate. Um, I haven't seen anything like that since the ordeal started. On Tuesday, I think everybody's just been a mode of reaction. Government doesn't seem to be knowing what it's doing. Uh, and uh, we're now having... Uh, uh, non-profit organizations like the Gift of the Givers and philanthropists like Pochisensika stepping into the space and actually urging people to come in. So I think once we see something like that, it is definitely an urge for somebody else because, hey, you know, initiative is important. Uh, yes. Um, you know, uh, it, it takes one person to start the crowdfunding platform or the crowd donation, and then we all say, oh, yes, then there's something we can donate to. Oh, I can throw in my 50 and or whatever. And I think we haven't seen that since since um, the, the disaster happened. And and with gift of the givers coming into the space and really uh, assessing the situation and, and getting themselves on the ground, they've really been able to set up this social infrastructure for the ordinary person to say, you know what, I'm all the way across the country and I don't have anything I, uh, that I can do, but I can donate this little hundred grand or ten grand for that matter mm. that I've got. Um, yeah, so the, 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 that's my view on that, uh, Shayla. My goodness, we are out of time, but I must thank you, Mpumilelo, for keeping us abreast with the trends are taking part in the last 72 hours. Uh, it's a pleasure and uh, top of the morning and a great week ahead to you too, Lovely. Thank you. Same to you. That was Mbumilelo Mashifane, who is a social uh, commentator and publisher of 013 News.